Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I am a home educating mom to two kids that has been on this journey for nine years and counting. And I definitely recommend if you want to hear more about our story, I actually talked about it again in the first episode of this season for season six. So if you want to go back to the intro to season six, uh, de-schooling, then you can hear more of our story. And I, you know, I drop mentions about it here and there throughout the podcast, especially in the early episodes of the podcast. Now, because this podcast, part of the reasons why it's created or why I created it is to support community and to create more of a community and inspire others in their natural learning journey. Before I begin this episode, I just wanted to give you a few resources and supports that we offer through the Honeyham Homeschooling community. So, of course, there's this podcast. Um, We have well over 100 episodes and May we cover about getting started in homeschooling, unschooling, self-directed learning. Um, we've talked about Charlotte Mason. We've talked about classical homeschooling, de-schooling. Uh, there's and all the components of challenging your assumptions on learning, school, childhood, alternative education. There is so much in this podcast, so much information and resources. So just if you want to go in the search, even on the website and put in the search, maybe a a term or a a word that you're looking for, you need help with, do so, and then listen to the episodes that come with it. I do have a page on my website as well of favorite resources too that you can find. So I encourage you to go there. Otherwise, we have a lot of weekly discussion and conversations in community. So one, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, where I provide support there through Patreon lives every month, special downloads and freebies, as well as um, I answer questions directly about your journey and supporting you on your journey. Um, But as well, the great thing about Patreon, it also supports this podcast so that I can have the time and support the funds to keep creating the show. So for those of you who have been Patreon supporters, thank you so much. I appreciate you and everyone else does as well. So if you'd like to join the Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash honeyimhomeschoolingthekids. I'd also like to give a shout out to some of our wonderful patrons. So I would like to give a shout out to Smarel Nicole. Smarel, thank you so much for supporting the podcast and being a regular contributor to our discussions on Clubhouse as well. And I know you're beginning your journey and you know you have mad support here as well through us and through myself. I'd also like to give a shout out to Chrissy Florence. Welcome, Chrissy. Thank you so much for supporting the show as well. And Carly Caldwell, 
Thank you so much, Carly. So Smarel, Chrissy, and Carly, special shout out to you three. Thank you for being part of the Patreon community. Now, as we continue on um, talking about Clubhouse, we still have our club, regular club meetings on Clubhouse. The club is called Honey, I'm Homeschooling. So you can join the club. The app is free. It's free to join. We have discussions every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Liana Francisco and I hold a room there and we base all those conversations from the foundation of relationships and connection in our learning journey. Liana is a grown unschooler, so she always has great insight. If you want to know, well, how do those unschoolers really turn out? You know, how do, what happens? Tune into that room because Liana is fantastic. And she also has been a guest on this podcast, so I recommend her episode. So Liana and I meet every Saturday morning or try our best through this winter because if you know a little bit about me or follow me on social media on Instagram and Facebook, you know that we do spend a lot of time in the mountains in the wintertime as well. Uh, So there's not always the best connection. Um, But those are Saturday mornings. Monday, Liana, Francisco, and Kelly Edwards host a room in the club on Clubhouse and the Honey and Homeschooling Club, and that is at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. I host a room Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Tyra Hunter is my regular co-host that joins me, and we always do timely, important topics and special guests. And Thursdays, Allison Towner hosts a room 1 o'clock Mountain Time, and it's focused on younger ages, um, elementary and younger in homeschooling. So you can join the club as well. Uh, If you're part of the Patreon community, we do record our rooms and then the replays are on our, the Patreon community has access to the replays. Okay, I think that's pretty well everything right now. I'm sure I've probably forgotten something, but I can add it in, go to my social media and I'll update anything I, I might've missed. So this episode is just actually a quick little supportive inspiration uh, in this episode because, you know, I think it's a time of year, depending where you are, if you're on the, if you're in Australia or New Zealand, school will be starting in February for you. It's a new school year. Uh, If you're in North America, you've probably just gone through the first semester or the first half of the school year, and maybe some are starting fresh. I know many new homeschoolers are coming on board, and there's a ton of questions. And some are feeling like, okay, they've gotten through this year, and it's it's been a bit of a journey, and you need a little bit of um, support or encouragement. So if you go to my social media, Instagram or Facebook, especially Instagram, I had shared a few posts talking about some easy resources that we can incorporate into our learning journey that is not an expensive curriculum, that doesn't need your kids to sit at a table for hours and hours, that doesn't need like tests and checklists and a whole bunch of struggle and work and fighting and frustration. It's actually resources that when you look around you, you most likely already have in your home, in your community, in your backyard, things that you can actually easily access and use and that are part of our, you can incorporate into our daily life, but they hold so much meaning and learning in them. So I thought I'd briefly kind of give a few ideas in this episode and ways that we can incorporate our you know, everyday tools, skills, and life into the learning life without having to go and spend an arm and a leg and curriculum or other, you know, other things to support learning or, or trying to make our home 
look like a classroom, which it's not. You've heard me say it so many times, homeschooling is not the classroom. Okay, so the question is like, usually, you know, where do I start? What should I plan? What should I buy? What do your days look like? Okay, well, here's, I always say the first place actually you should always start is to sit down with yourself and really ask yourself, okay, what's important? What does learning mean for me? What does school mean to me? What does education mean to me? And what's important for my family going forward? What do I value? What do I want my kids to feel and see and do? So, you know, get an idea first of of your ideas on that, what's really important, and also where you're coming from. Do your past experiences and learning in school reflect your current reality? Are there things that you would like to change or that you could, if you could change from your past learning and schooling experiences, what would they be? Why would you change them and what impact do you think that would have? And then engage with your kids, That's the most important part because this is their learning journey, although it is your learning journey as well, but in a different way. So ask them, you know, what are you interested in? What would you like to see? What would you like to do? Is there anything that you would like to create? You know, taking the time to envision your homeschooling journey, your home learning journey, your home educating journey, your unschooling journey really goes a long way for the future and for the flow with your family. So there's a few things that you can, you know, you can consider, you can sketch, you can draw out, you can think about, you can talk about with your kids, you know, things like what would you like to play or build What would you like to create? What would you like to listen to? What would you like to watch? What would you like to read? What would the mornings look like? Our mornings are, our afternoons are, are, our evenings are. We are. We are bold. We're flexible. We're adventurous. We're peaceful. We're excited. We are joyful. We are connected. You know, you can ask, you know, or think what your children, what do your children love to do? You know, my children love to, my children ask about, they want to, they smile when, they feel safe when. And you can also ask the same for yourself. What do I love to do? What do I usually, what questions do I usually ask? What do I want? What makes me smile? And when do I feel safe as well? So those are kind of a few prompts that you can consider and have an idea of and start to envision your homeschooling year in life going forward. Now, when it comes, so when that is clear, and especially your values of what's really important, what what core values are foundational for your home learning journey, for your family's home learning journey, Everything, your choices, your resources will always then reflect to that, reflect to what you've envisioned, to what is important. If connection and calm, for example, are the important values in your home learning journey and your family, then what will you choose that will help you to be in alignment with that? Okay. And what do you not want? What is, will not support you in life? What will take you out of alignment from that? Okay, so now if we're going to move beyond that. 
So resources that we've loved, and there are so many ways that we can bring learning from the everyday. So what I did in, for example, if you go back to my social media, you'll see that I actually did break down the resources in terms of subjects like literacy, math, science, and social studies. They don't have to be broken down into subjects. I think just for most, for many, it's easy to see it laid out like that. Although, you know, the real true internal process of learning, we don't break it up into subjects. Life and learning covers, it overlaps in every way. So here's a few things that have been key and fundamental to our family that have really supported our learning journey in so many ways. Read alouds. And this is something we've done with our kids since they were in the womb. And we started a regular rhythm at nighttime before bed. It was reading out loud to them. And we would sit on the couch and get blankets and be cozy. And that was our practice before bedtime. We'd all read together, the four of us as a family. Obviously, this is when everyone, you know, when everyone was, well, I guess whether you're in the, they were in the womb or not at the time, um, or it would be, you know, myself and my kids or my husband and my kids. But reading aloud was a practice that we started from the very beginning. And it does many things. It offers connection. It offers a place of gathering and and calm in so many ways as well, especially if you're doing something before bedtime, for example. And it also introduces many questions and conversations. The great thing about read alouds and reading it together is you're literally on the same page (laughs) in so many ways. So if you are starting a book or in a book and reading this story and everyone is at the same place, the conversations that you can have beyond that read aloud time are so rich and full and engaging. So those conversations can continue about the book when even you're not reading the book. And you know from literacy, from my from what I talk about with literacy, it goes beyond just reading or the phonics or the grammar. Literacy is communication. It's a way of seeing, reading the world and being able to communicate in the communication circle. So, you know, with the read-alouds, there's a few suggestions. You know, make it comfortable and and cozy and safe. Yes, if your kids want to read, take turns. You can certainly do that. We've done it where, you know, one child reads a page or a paragraph and we take turns that way, or else I do all the reading, or maybe one of the kids does all of the reading for that time. Um, Snacks are great if you want to have that as well. And the other part as well is I let the kids choose the books. So so if it's a book that, you know, everyone gets a choice, if it's a novel, then, you know, it's, it's also one that we all agree on as well. It has introduced some fantastic stories to our family that maybe maybe they wouldn't have read otherwise. I know one of our first novels that we read together was Charlotte's Web, and Wow, it was such, I mean, it's such a great story. I read it as a kid, but I remember the emotion and feeling my kids had from it, especially my daughter. You know, when the book was done and she was a lot younger, so I wasn't sure how much of a connection she would have with the book. But when it was done, I remember her being so filled with emotion and so upset actually. And she got up and I could tell she was so upset and she was walking away and kind of like had her 
like had her hands balled into a fist. And, and so I asked her, you know, how she was feeling. And she was really upset. She's like, why didn't you tell me Charlotte was going to die? <laughs> oh, man, she was, it was uh, pretty devastating for her, you know. And I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't talk about it beforehand. I actually had kind of forgotten the power of that story. But at the same time, you know, we got to talk about that after and how she was feeling and the importance that the character that Charlotte that Charlotte had in Charlotte's Web. And I think that is the beauty of something like that, read aloud. And, and not, you know, being able to experience that with our kids. And it's not something where we say, well, why don't you go and read for 15 minutes in your room or just read this out loud for this reading time, uh, you know, we know then we can be part of that reading with them and it can be impact. we can ask those questions and be part of the story and connect. And if there's any misunderstandings, misinterpretations or, and, or feelings, then that's all part of that process and that journey. And um, so read alouds have been a great thing for us. So I do have to say, because my kids are 15 and 12 now at this moment, January 20. January 2022, um, we still do read-alouds, not in the evenings anymore because they read their books on their own um, before bed, but my daughter and I especially do read-alouds in the morning. We usually have a novel going that we read together, and right now we've been, and it's like sometimes we do it every morning and sometimes there's other things happening, but um, it's just kind of, for us, it's just kind of a time for us to be together We've been reading, currently we're just finishing off the series of Unfortunate Events, those books, and she's really, you know, my daughter's taste in books right now, she reads a lot on her own. She's really into dystopian themes, and she likes, like, murder podcasts, and she's really liked that series. So, you know, it's been her choice, and that's what we've been reading, and it's been great conversations as well. The Evil. Of, of that story in so many ways, right? The resiliency as well. <clears throat> so that is read alouds are, you know, something that has been fundamental in so many ways. It, and because it's not just reading, but, you know, it's from the early stages of they can see the words on the page together and hear how they are pronounced or enunci- the words are enunciated, um, but also the conversation and questions and taking time to answer those and to draw it out and see then those other conversations of, you know, why we loved a character, how we can see things from the story in our, in our life around us as well. So it really builds on that comprehension and connection. Another great one is acted out like drama, theater. And I mean, usually for many of our younger kids, they do that all the time anyways. They watch a movie or they read a book and then they act out a scene or they act out what we're doing in the home. And this is fantastic. I mean, whether they're going to be into dramatic arts or theater or not, but also this is an extension of literacy. It's an extension of their comprehension, their understanding and their communication. So, you know, one of the things that helps with that is have like a box of costumes that they can play in. And that's and literally like old clothes. You know, if you have a purse that you're going to give away, put it in the costume box. Scarves, um, old shoes, anyone in your family that wants to donate, things like materials, 
Any of those can be part of that costume box, and it doesn't have to be something fancy that you have to go out and buy. Um, and, I, you know, other ways, my mother-in-law, I remember, had a puppet set. That's another great way for acting it out. Um, Lego stop motion. My kids were into that for a while. Stop motion, um, stop animation. So that's another way of acting it out as well. But encouraging that, you can videotape it. There's so many different forms of media as well, and they can rewatch it. They can edit it, uh, add music to it. Uh, there's, there's so many aspects and extensions of that as well. Okay, so... I'm still on the literacy part because I'm going to do the same, I'm going to break it up into literacy ideas, audiobooks. And this is something that you can choose for a day. You can extend these over a week. You can even extend them over a month. Audiobooks are fantastic when you, you know, find a story, an engaging story, and you can listen it to, to it together or your kids can listen to it on their own. So in the very beginning, when we first lived in Jamaica, um, we used iBooks. We had our iPad and you know, there weren't a lot of books that we could access. So that's what we use, that app. And um, it was great as well because on that app, you can also, for some of the books, you could have a narrator. So if my kids wanted to reread a book or to read a book on their own and have the narration and just tap the page, that was really handy. They liked that as well. Um, so audio, audiobooks are fantastic, whether you get them from your library, which you can do, or you have a subscription to something like Audible or any other sites. Um, they're a great way to, to read, really, to hear your story. And then, you know, we've done it on drives. If we have a long drive, we've listened to a, an audio story. Um, just listen to when we're in the kitchen cooking or baking or doing anything like that, listening to an audio story or just sitting and hanging out in the living room on a rainy day. And it's a great chance to then after talk about the story, you know, ask all those questions, you know, what characters did you connect with? Which ones did you think changed the most? Uh, It's a great way to engage in language with your child as well, the language of the story and also to hear it in a different voice as well. Podcasts as well are a fantastic extension. Um, Podcasters, podcasts that have stories, podcasts that talk about mythology, history, interviews. Uh, So we have listened to history podcasts. Um, My kids obviously listen to podcasts on their own that are you know, in genres or topics that they're interested in. You know, my daughter loves murder podcasts. My son listens to podcasts on like hunting and wildlife and um, interview style podcasts as well. Um, There is so many, so, so many. My kids have introduced me to podcasts and we've same. we listen to them on drives or at home when we're in the kitchen. They're a fantastic media form as well. And they are an extension of literacy too. Watching a movie is the next one. And I know, here we go, we're talking about, you know, there's a big thing about screen time, right? And how much your kids are watching. So let me just say that our world right now is very digital. You know, that's the world we live in. And a lot of, um, obviously, there's a lot of content on screens, YouTube, Google, and then all of like Netflix and everything like that as well. There's, you know, 
there is still literacy there and what you can take and draw out from from those movies, documentaries, YouTube channels, things like that. There's, you know, there is a lot still as well. So if you want to watch a movie, you could read the book first or after. Um, and there's so much of it. There's documentaries as well. There are um, same interview formats. I think you know, but movies are a great component, a great homeschool resource. And also as well, it's, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a movie day and there's other things you can add on. You can have a book club movie day um, and gather together uh, and then extension of all those other things, acting it out. That's an extension as well. And then rewriting your own movie. There's so many different aspects that you can draw from watching a movie as well. Um, So still continuing on the literacy suggestions. The one that I had posted on Instagram and Facebook was labeling the house. And this was a suggestion from Carla Marie Williams. She's been on the podcast twice. Carla Marie, you'll know Carla Marie well. She has six kids that she's unschooled them all. And we've done this in our house and she did this in her house as well. And just putting like naming things in your house, like the fridge, the couch, or you can even specific things like a doorknob or, I don't know, a nail. Uh, It's a great way if your kids want to write it out or even draw the picture and do like a sticky note and paste it on there or just get tape and paste it with paper. There's so many different ways, but it's a great way if you want to practice things like, well, reading and writing skills right there as well um, and recognition and so it's just also a fun way to do things on that. Um, and the other thing I'd suggest is you could do scavenger hunts as well around the house. So we've done, I've just kind of come up with scavenger hunts where I've written out clues and maybe it's a theme. It's, everything is outside and the kids find them and bring them back. And Or, um, or even scavenger hunts where it's like uh, they have to take a tape measure and measure something that's 50 centimeters and write down what you, what it was, what you found that was 50 centimeters long. You know, there's so many, and there's even, you can look for, for ideas online as well for scavenger hunts. So that's a great extension of literacy as well. Creative video or reel is another suggestion. So, I mean, you can include all of, all of the above in this, but remember that that media and the media forms that we have are really our current world right now. And as much as we want to maybe limit screens, ban screens in media, it is it is part of our life and growing more so right now as well. And as you know, videos are are the main right now. So why not have your kids create videos or reels or help you in doing so? And it's all an extension of literacy and learning as well. It's, you know, understanding technology, digital literacy, the creation, and then all of the other things like effects and lighting and telling a story and having fun and editing all of the other parts that go on with it as well. You know, we're all on this learning journey together. And the biggest thing, too, is that when we demonstrate that to our kids, when we're actively involved in this as well with them, it's the best learning that they can have, too. Okay, so those are a few suggestions that I had shared for literacy. Okay, so the next one I want to share is some suggestions for math. Okay, 
And, you know, I, I have had some episodes on math. Kohila Sivas from Math Codes has been on the podcast talking about math. She's fantastic. I've had my mother-in-law, Monica, on the podcast as well talking about math. Kohila is a math educator and math coach, and she has Math Codes, which really supports parents and kids in their math learning journey. My mother-in-law, she is, is a homeschool mom. She homeschooled my husband and his brother for quite a few years. And then she went back and got her education degree, and she's actually a math educator as well. So she has great insight on you know how we can have math vocabulary or math language in our daily life. So definitely I recommend those episodes. I'll share them in the show notes. But math resources, okay. So one of the things that we've loved, I know both Kohila and my mother-in-law, both Monica and Kohila talked about in their episodes was Lego. <laughs> yeah, I know maybe it doesn't, like for some, they, they're talking about the colors or, the, honestly, Lego has been one of the best resources. And it does wonders for thinking strategically, for planning, um, for found, laying down foundations. It, it introduces numeracy on so many different levels, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, uh, fractions as well, algebra, area, perimeter, so many of those foundational concepts in math, learning, and language are there presented in a hands-on, playful format with Lego. And Lego is something that it's not, we have to just buy a set and then complete exactly what they say. Yes, you can do that. We've done that. But I found my kids have had the most fun and exploration with it when after they've taken it all apart. And then they just spend hours upon hours building with Lego. And we used to have like a little section of the living room that was the Lego area. And no one, it was like the unspoken rule that the Lego was never picked up that it was always just left there because they would have their continuous creations that they would add on to it and add on to it and add on to it. And their cousins and friends would come over and add on to it. And it, you know, it was like a world that they continued to build. So that has been one of our favorites. Another mainstay in our home as well, and also I think because we love to travel and because we've, you know, the places we lived and we are just really interested in the world and geography and spaces and places are maps. And so we usually almost always have an atlas or map in our house. And, you know, the other thing you can do is if you don't have one, you can also create one as well. So maps not only give us an idea of spatial awareness and where we are and other countries and spaces related to it, there's other, you know, other concepts like longitude and latitude that you can break down, understanding the equator and the different meridians, the hemispheres, how the world turns and works with seasons. Uh, you can understand that using a globe and a map as well. Uh, mountains and environmental, you know, the I was going to say landscapes, <laughs> mountain ranges and landscapes, rivers and oceans uh, and other environmental uh, impacts as well. But you can also have great fun creating your own maps, whether it's a map of a world you've made up or uh, a map of a place that you want to just understand a bit more, you know, a bit deeper. Um, we've done globes. My daughter's made like a paper mache globe. And instead of having every country, she just stuck to the continents and the oceans, which was something she wanted to concentrate on anyways. And, you know, painted it. And it was, 
it was fantastic. It's so hands-on. Um, you know, you can make a treasure map and have a treasure hunt, and it's a map of your home or your area. There's so many ways to use a map and so many extensions and learning and map and map making that that's been a map or a globe or making your own has been a great, great tool in our house as well. Uh, okay, so we're still talking about math. So measuring. And measuring, I mean, like <laughs> measuring can be so much fun. I mean, we're talking about scavenger hunts and treasure hunts. I've incorporated measurement and measuring things around the house and that. But even like measuring volume, measuring when you're cooking in the kitchen. And we've done it where measuring cups, measuring spoons. We always have a scale, a kitchen scale, and that is fantastic for measuring. Uh, so instead of measuring cups and spoons, we've weighed things out and understanding that one that's digital. So it changes to grams, kilograms, pounds, um, milliliters, you know, all of the different measurements like that as well. So a kitchen scale is something that has been, and I think it was like $19 kind of thing. But you can measure in the kitchen, pouring in and out, especially when kids are younger, they love it. You can do that in the bathtub as well. Um, to If you want less of a mess as well, you can do it in the backyard too. So there's so many ways that you can incorporate measurement. Um, when we are using, we've used tape measures as well. Those are always fun. Um, meter sticks, you know, we're Canadian, so I guess... Yeah, the other places would be yardsticks. We call them meter sticks here. Uh, we've measured with our feet. We've measured with our hands. We've measured with rulers. You can compare what's the longest, shortest. There's so many things that you can do as well. And of course, if you're building something, you need measurements. So, you know, when we're building a little house out of wood or um or even using Lego to measure. There's so many ways and so much time that can come out of that. That's really a lot of fun as well. Building, of course, is always an extension. And you can use recycled materials to build. You can use things like wood as well. You can use blocks, um, Lego, connects, all different things like that. But just the aspect of building and understanding the structure and space and design and what you want to build and, and create from there is fantastic. Toothpicks and marshmallows are always a lot of fun as well. Sticks, uh, any other kind of recycled materials. I have a good friend and I remember her daughters would build doll houses out of recycled materials and they would kind of like draw the plan out beforehand, the layout, and then they would build and glue it and put it together. It was so cool. And so they would always have different doll houses that they'd worked on and built. So, I mean, all of these things are most likely in your reach and very, very accessible, right? Board games, you know, game schooling, we love game schooling. Board games have been fantastic for all areas and things as well. So I know board games sometimes can be a lot. So if, you know, I've ordered on Amazon, but the thrift store has been a great place to pick up board games, garage sales as well, or ask anybody that's looking to get rid of a game as well. But card games and all kinds of board games. I have my game schooling guide. Um, I do not have it up anymore, but if you're interested in the game schooling guide, actually my patrons have access to the game schooling guide, but DM me or email me if you're interested in the game schooling guide, <clears throat> which is a list that I've created. Tyra Hunter and I put together of favorite games over the years, and yes, I've divided them by subject as well too. So just hit me up if you you want to if you want that game schooling guide. It has some great games that we refer to in there. 
One of the things as well that has been a fantastic resource that's easy and accessible is surveys. So it's so much fun. I find the kids have loved going and asking people questions, survey questions, and like tallies or making notes. We've done it through um, just a, you know, We've come up with a question and they've gone to ask their family. You can go out in the community and ask neighbors, um, you know, what's the most popular drink in your area between the choice of milk, orange juice, and water, for example. It would be easy things. Um, we've done surveys on SurveyMonkey, free. And then, you know, we've po- I've posted on Facebook and asked people to complete the surveys. And then after that, then it tallies all the results and they can see it in graph format as well, which... Is another extension. I'm sure it's a unit in math as well, too, right? Statistics and probability and formulation. So, um, but just make it fun. Creating surveys, something they want to know and compare and find out. Would you rather is a survey. (laughs) You know, if they find out, have a would you rather survey. Would you rather, you know, lay out in the snow with your bathing suit or would you rather wear your parka for 15 minutes on a hot day in the summer? I don't know, but... That is a form of probability and questioning as well, which is fantastic. Okay, so science. Man, science, there's so much for science. Really, there is all around us. If you're able to access your backyard or a park or the outdoors, there's so much right there. You know, whether you can um, nature journal, bring a journal and crayons or pencils and, and sketch, with you and sit and have a picnic and just draw or watercolor paint or take notes. That is a fantastic way of documentation, observation, and um, and even description and labeling if you want with science. Uh, the other thing that you can do as well when going out with nature is if you have a smartphone, there are apps that are um, like plant apps, for example. So if you don't, if you come across a plant or even if you're nature journaling and you want to know the name, you can click the picture and it will tell you the name of the plant, usually the scientific name, the description, and more information about it as well. So there are great apps to use on that. Um, I think we have a free app, a free version that we've used. Uh, So that's a great way. Um, Home science experiments. You know, science really is so much about exploring and investigating and asking why and interpreting and um, weighing your options, guessing as well. So those main principles come out, I think, in natural curiosity with our kids, right? There's so many home experiments that you can do with things like building a volcano out of flour and water and salt and then using baking soda and vinegar to cause an explosion. Um, elephant toothpaste is another one with like hydrogen peroxide. There are, you know, experiments that you can do on testing gravity. You know, those the old classic drop an egg but build something for it that will help so when it hits the ground it won't break. Um the laws of you know laws of physics and the laws of motion as well. So many experiments you can practice and understand using that too. We've made crystals um, using household supplies as well. You know we've made volcanoes testing the laws of motion, paper airplanes and aerodynamics. We've built boats and you can see which floats and which are the fastest. You can see which holds most capacity and slowly fill them with rocks until what's going to be the, bo- the point where they sink. 
so many things that you can do with um, many things that you already have at home as well. Fire pits, building fire is great. <laughs> um, we, we do that a lot here, especially in the outdoors. And I mean, learning fire and fire maintenance and fire safety, that is a great skill. Uh, and as well, it's science too. <clears throat> We've used a lot of science shows like Magic School Bus or Bill Nye the Science Guy. Cosmos is a big favorite of, of our house as well. Planet Earth, Gross Science was a great YouTube channel. There's so many shows available that are free. Um, the Smithsonian or websites or, area or museums and institutes that have great shows or access even on their own websites as well that I really recommend. Google Earth. There is so, and I'll try my best to add... Um, it in the show notes as well, many of the references. World studies is absolutely can be, you know, history and geography, but it's also science as well. We do a lot of world studies through food and um, cooking recipes and ingredients from different countries as well. And that's certainly science. Then, of course, you have in, you know, the mixing and chemistry of putting things together as well. But world studies are you know, you can study the food, geography, biology, the natural, the ecology of a place as well. And we've built like little models and dioramas of certain places and spaces, uh, collecting rocks and minerals and trying breaking them apart and seeing, you know, what are they? You know, how, how do they break and, and what category do they fall into? Digging like an archaeologist, visiting museums when you can as well, burying things. There is so much within the science world. The other part of outside that we have done, uh, and I mean this overlaps into all areas, is having a garden. We have a garden every year and we plan what we want to plant. We space it out. And that entire process of you know, what you're growing and harvesting and how it grows and varies each year is the scientific process as well. So if you have some space to have a garden, I recommend that you grow a garden as well. The other thing as well with is if you don't have the space, because we've lived in city like Seoul, South Korea before where you don't have a garden space, but we've had some balcony space or we've grown herbs inside. There's many things that you can grow inside as well, which are just as fabulous too. <clears throat> um, building and machines. So playing with motors, learning about vehicles, building bridges out of recycled materials and all kinds of materials and seeing how strong and what they can, you know, what they can hold. Lego again has been fantastic. Paper airplanes are part of, you know, building and machines as well. We've made cars out of different recycled materials. There's so much that you can create that's within your grasp, or you can, you know, even ask if you can tour an auto body shop. Uh, you can see how, you know, seeing how the engine works, learning how to change the oil, so many different parts of it that uh, are right there that we can access in our, outside of our home or within our home as well. And then space and technology is a big part of science. <laughs> so our world now, I think of when, uh, you know, when I was young and then now my kids watching SpaceX, you know, the rocket, the rocket launch, for example, and how different that is and how many and people that have already gone into space that are civilians that can pay for a trip. It, it, the world is changing so quickly and space and technology are fundamental parts of that. So, I mean, there are 
coding. You can talk about software and coding and programming. There's free, like code.org, Khan Academy, that offer free resources to learn about coding for our kids, social media, things like learning about cryptocurrency and blockchain, creating their own videos, virtual worlds. I don't know how many of you have um, an Oculus or virtual reality as well. Now that's accessible in the home and we know that that world is growing. Virtual reality is the next step as well. Um, AI and you know, smartphones, digital apps, there's so much in the extension of technology and different games and things that they can learn and play with in technology. Okay, so that was a quick breakdown of science. I actually planned for this to be shorter. So I'm going to move to social studies and talk about some easy ways that you can connect with history, geography, and, you know, the study of people. Really, social studies is a study of people in relation to each other and to their world and to our world. So it's history, geography, ecology, economics, law, philosophy, and political science. You know, politics is always easy to access. <laughs> it's always happening all around us, whether no matter what you agree with or not. But a great way as well is to learn about politics and what you know, what is being said, the laws that are being made and the laws that have been made and how they've affected our world today as well. But there's so many ways to do that. You can compare different countries, politics and systems. Again, we do things like Taste of the World as well, where we're in the kitchen learning about the world through tastes or recipes as well. Uh, ingredients, smell and, and sound and feel goes into that too. Dioramas and projects and building um, models and replicas are always fun as well. And letting your kids choose that too, I think, is always a, the best way to go. I think, um, you know, when they remember that it's all about, you know, their valid interests and their curiosities and exploring and expanding on that and supporting them in that as well. <clears throat> so I think, even like, you know, we're talking about volcanoes before, my kids love building they've like made their own volcanoes and I think of the last one they made where it was close it was an island one so the ocean was there and they you know they even had the whole added people and they had the water and then it erupted into the water and you know talking about how land is formed in that way there's so many variances that you can do on that um dancing painting story and folklore so, I mean, art tells so much and supports so much for us. And we learn through much through story still, right? And it, story also represents feelings and times and pictures that a textbook could never properly portray. And, you know, stories are, they can be not only reading through a story book, but there's also video and visual stories as well that go into it. Uh, you know, I shared that one of my daughter's favorite visual stories for years is a TED Talk by a lady named, she's a dancer. Her name is Ananda Shakar Jayant. And the TED Talk is called Fighting Cancer with Folklore. And sorry, Fighting Cancer with Dance. And it is her story as a, she's a dancer. She's been a dancer since a very young age, a very well-known dancer in India and how she went through cancer. And cancer really supported her feelings, her pain, and how really she tells her story through dance. And not only does she do it through dance, but through her dance, she creates art. 
I really recommend you watch it. I think she's, my daughter's watched it like 50 times, but what a powerful way to talk about, to talk about tradition, to talk about uh, the power of, you know, how we heal as well and how stories can be told, not even through, are told through dance, through different art forms as well. So that would be one that I would recommend, but that's a great example. Um, you know, I also talk about, you know, my son, we really got into for a long time, like I'm like years, Viking mythology. And it actually started with Inuit mythology. We were in our library and we came across, our local library had brought in a series of books from a new publisher. And the publisher is, I'll do a plug here for them, Inhabit Media. And so Inhabit Media is actually a publishing company, an independently owned publishing company from Nunavut in Canada. And it, I mean, I don't know any others like it. I, you know, we've loved them. I'm happy to, you know, and I'll, I'll link them as well. They're the stories for all ages. Um, the stories that we first read were, I, I remember my daughter was kind of like, no, nah, I don't want to read this. You know, this is not for me, but my son had loved it at the time about giants and ogres. And I learned so much. And they, the, they, they actually, each of the stories within Inhabit Media have fantastic illustrations as well. Um, so through that, he, we had the conversation about, because there's so, much, so many giants in Inuit mythology, and we were like, how, why giants? How does this come through? And, you know, we remembered, we talked about how Vikings had been to Canada, early, early, um, early explorers to Canada as well. Was there a crossover? Was there a meetup with Inuits and Vikings? And did they share any mythology through that? Uh, and then, of course, that led him into Viking mythology and Viking weaponry and stories and history through that. And then you get into like the Marvel Universe and all of the connections through that. So, I mean, story is so powerful, isn't it? History and folklore is so powerful. Um, and the other, the other part of it as well is, and I know it's limiting for many now, but the power of travel. Traveling in person may be difficult. Some may be able to do it now, but also virtual travel too when we can't. Travel has been one of the best educations I've received in my life. And I'm very grateful that it's something that I've been able to do that, you know, from a young age as well. My parents, my dad is from Jamaica, my mom is from Canada, but even my, we moved quite a bit for my dad's work as well, but my parents also still traveled and they always took us traveling with them as well. And as I grew older, that was just something that, you know, I was like, you know, I knew I was going to do and that I always, I know was impactful for, to, for me growing up as well. And um, because we were always, <clears throat> my parents were always open to others, you know, with culture, language, and, you know, the way, way everyone lives are commonalities and differences as well. So travel, I really, truly recommend it. And I know it might be difficult now. There are many channels and sites you can go to to do, you know, virtual visits. But if you get a chance, and locally too, it doesn't have to be international. Local travel, we've learned a ton. I, I wouldn't have learned the history of the area where I live now if we hadn't gone out and just visited areas and asked questions and visited museums and found what we could about local history as well. Building your own family tree. 
is an, another fun thing to do because it's history, it's geography, but it's personal. And it's a great way for your kids to find out more about who they are and where they came from. So I know some that use, you know, the online genealogy programs. Other ways you can do it is if you don't, you know, you don't have to go so far into your family history, but you can ask your family members, you know, stories or questions and information and they can build it and draw it out from there. So a family tree can be really, really powerful. Learning about our own past and also learning how to ask and frame questions as well to our family members. Movies and documentaries, absolutely, of course. Another way as well to learn about people, places, and social issues around us is to be out in community. Uh, local history, talking to elders and community. You know, sometimes the best information is actually right next door, or it's the person maybe uh, we know through family or we might see in the grocery store. It might be taking time to visit and, and with a cu- have a cup of tea and bring some cookies and visit an elderly late neighbor down the road or to ask grandma and grandpa questions. You know, it's, it's amazing how much history and information is actually right outside of our door and all around us. And sometimes all we have to do is ask. The other thing that it is, is also it's a fantastic connection to others in our community. And it's a great way to build relationships and connection on both sides. Sometimes not everyone gets to share their history. And sometimes they have a lot of stories to tell. It's just a matter of being asked. And it's amazing what can be learned and shared. And even now, if we can't do it in person, there's always a phone we can pick up. There is things like Zoom or other communications that we can use and, you know, for us to be connected and engaged. So those are just a few suggestions on ideas and projects that you can explore. Suggestions that are, you know, easily within your reach that you might just have outside your door within your home that don't require you to purchase a big, huge curriculum. Many other things, you know, you can um, supplement with books, Google, or or if you did want to add curriculum to that. But those are some ways that you can explore and ways to step into the natural learning journey. And you can truly build upon that. And then the other thing is, ask your kids. <laughs> they have the best ideas and resources. Trust me. So if they have a interest and you can ask them, how can I support you? What would you like? What do you need? What ideas do you have for you to explore or do or create or learn more from this? Usually they have a good idea. Usually they have a list of a bunch of things or a one very specific thing that they could use and would like to you know, have as a supplement for more or that they know but can't access, but they know maybe you can help them. So, you know, communication and listening questions, listening and hearing them, you know, goes a long way. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care and I'll be back soon. And check the show notes for links. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. 
You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. Thank you.